reaching around the world and out of this world. Look at that. I think I figured it out. Yes. The whereabouts from which, anyway. It's good to have you here. You keep wondering. Huh? Yeah, I really keep wondering. My so turn first or yours? They, they want to know how we smell. I use my nose. What do you do? I use my yeah, nose. You go first. So speaking of a cellist gold, mm -hmm. which a lot of people are really excited about, we've had some come in saying, we don't know where to find things. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, we don't know where to find things. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, it is different. And uh, it's been fun to interact with a lot of the messaging from the parents as this thing's kind of been rolling out, and it's, it, it's really fun. One of the parents was uh, really pleased when they found out that they can now watch the videos. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that, yeah. and that was kind of good news for them. Of course, their suggestion was maybe they should get a sticker when they're done, too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they put in all that work, you know, really motivating their that, kids. <laughs> and uh, one parent was very concerned because when their student opened everything, everything was, was in a different place. Mm -hmm. Their student had everything all figured out and now nothing was like it was. <laughs> and so they were really concerned. And then the students started discovering things. Yeah. And there's a lot of discoveries. Lot. And you know what, that's really good for the students. And then they said, you know what, my kid is really enjoying this. They were really worried until they saw that they could yeah. navigate and find it. And making it easy isn't necessarily always the best way. Mm -hmm. And if I get my way, they will be finding things from now on. Wow. They are going to find things that aren't even there to be found right now. <laughs> Students and parents. And parents, too. We're going to give the parents some stickers. <laughs> page A, page A. Oh, no, page no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I we are getting a mountain of really good suggestions, and we really appreciate those, and we ask you to keep them coming. Yes. They're good ideas. We're already uh, implementing many of those ideas. Mm -hmm. One parent uh, suggested, for example, that it would be nice if after a student achieves their weekly goal, that they could, uh, the student could sign in and go right to the learning activities without finishing the goal every single day. Yes. And, you know, that's a... That's a good idea. Uh, on the other hand, and we always look, there's always different sides to an issue. On the other hand, if they always get to do a little bit of work before they have some more enjoyable, relaxing learning, and by the way, the activities all have learning hiding in there, don't they? <laughs> but if they do, then you get in a little bit more learning. So we have a compromise solution. Saturday and Sunday, the activities are open for everybody. Yeah, just in case. That's, you're you know. pretty good. Yeah, don't tell anybody. They don't. But they'll find out, won't they? They'll find out, yeah. Uh, it's interesting, the development team got a couple of reports that we have a bug yeah. on the weekend because the learning activities were open on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> they caught us. <laughs> People are paying attention, but it's good. Uh, I think it's good to be challenged. I think it's good to learn by the discovery method. And a lot of things are being done by the discovery method. you know what I've been working on this week? I don't know. Lots of things. <laughs> You're gonna tell, tell us all of them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, R51 made it. <laughs> was that? I thought it was me, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
What are you well, working on? Well, we have been working on a, uh, a new chemistry lab, which we want to do as a, a learning activity. And it's a very interactive kind of a thing where you actually mix chemicals and, and it's, it's going to fulfill the laboratory requirements of AP chemistry, <coughs> which is good. But at the same time, it's going to be so fun that students are going to want to do it even as a learning activity. That is neat. And it's full of surprises. And, surprises. you know, it's exciting. If you can really learn chemistry by discovering, you know, we have Discover English. Mm -hmm. well, what if we have Discover Chemistry? I love that. And by the way, that's how chemistry came about. It was discovered. <coughs> and then everything we know in chemistry was discovered. So lo and behold, why not let our students do it? I'm going to have to go back and take that when that activity comes out. Go back? Go back into Ocellus. Go back it. where? <laughs> into my studies. Oh, into your studies. Yes, that'd be good. Well, I hope that's true. And I, uh, I want to thank the whole team for how much work has gone into creating this. It's really, it's really been, been great. Big deal. I'm now going to turn the time over to Peugeot while I exit. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. He really, he's gone. One of the things I think um, is really neat um, is how Science Live really is bringing science to life. And for me personally, I've gone through university and schooling, and I studied all the concepts and things that lot what we talk about. But he has the ability to put it into focus. And it's like I have these aha moments where I, I finally get what they were teaching me because I had, I'm learning the practical ability and the knowledge. And I think, I think it's really neat. I mean, you can go back and you, you can learn the theory and you can repeat it and you can say it. But when he says, okay, and this is how it works, you oh my goodness. And then you start putting in a lot of different pieces that you have throughout your life. And I would really like him to come back now. <laughs> Uh, and there, you guys are like really getting along right now, aren't you? <laughs> As opposed to the rivalry that goes on. I had a cough. I know. <laughs> Turn on my mic. Okay, we have a question real fast. It's on. It's on, okay. I was social distancing. <laughs> I thought you were just okay. not liking <laughs> the smell. No, I, I didn't like what you were going to say. <laughs> I know. Okay, I, I talked all about you. Okay. Um, does the gold edition count progress done on Saturday and Sunday? Yes. This is from New Jersey, Jacob. New Absolutely. Jersey. Double. Double. Time and a half. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, but it does count. Really? Yeah, you do the work, you get the, you get the credit. Absolutely. That's neat. Every time. That's really neat. It's pretty wonderful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'm excited about Celis uh, Gold, but... I'd like to remind you that two weeks ago we were moving at warp speed and we hit a brick wall. Do you remember that? I do. Brick wall. Brick wall. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> it really okay, hurt. Okay, <laughs> so what we were trying to do is we were trying to jam one million, one million bits of data through a wire every second. That's a lot. So one million, a gigabit. And physics said, it won't work. It can't be done. And physics is always right till we learn something else, right? 
And yet, I was looking at it from another point of view. I, I told the story a while back. Some of the new students won't remember it, so I'll, I'll give them the short version. When I was a university student, I wanted to build hydrogen cars. You see, my history started out in, in high school. I entered the science fair, and I, I converted a car to run on hydrogen. It was the first car, to the best of our knowledge, that had ever run on hydrogen before. And it won the science fair, and that was all really, really great. So I was ready to launch my career launching hydrogen cars. When I got to the university, I didn't know what to major in. Do you major in cars <laughs> or hydrogen or chemistry or physics or engineering or what? And I talked to some of the faculty members, and I discovered a very interesting thing. No matter what department they taught in, that was the one they told me I should major in. The chemist told me, oh, you got to be a chemist because chemists study reactions and, and hydrogen reacts. And the physicists, we know all about everything in the universe. you got to be a physicist. But I ended up spending my time at the university with majoring in chemistry, physics, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, chemical engineering. So I had five majors. And in the engineering school, there were actually four departments. The one that I didn't major in was civil engineering. But the other three I did. And each year, there was a, a week that was called engineering week. And during that time, they had contests for all the engineering students. And so I set a goal that I was going to win the contest one year in electrical engineering, one in chemical, and one in mechanical. So when it came the year, the first year actually, that I went after the award for electrical engineering, they brought us into a, a big auditorium. They gave everyone that was competing a box. And inside it had components, it had a battery and lens and a bunch of things. And we were supposed to transmit light from a transmitter to a receiver. And the light was supposed to signal a message by blinking on and off. And whoever could send it the farthest and get the message through one. And you had to use only the things in the box. So I opened the box and it had some duct tape. Did it really? Yeah, it did. <laughs> Which is, is a great scientific tool, as you can imagine. It really helps. But I made my little thing, and I made it so this light would blink on and off with the signal. And uh, I had a light sensor on the other end and a lens that would focus it. And in all of the people that came and tried out, and there wasn't that many that showed up for it, which, you know, that was probably good. I was the only one that got it to work. And so I won. Wow. <laughs> Accomplished that goal. Yeah. And so, no, not quite, because oh, no. then... I was chosen to represent my university at the state contest. Oh. So, state came. And I went up there, I took my stuff, it was the same box, uh -huh. and I took it up to state, except now I had time to kind of really think about it and get it all fixed ready. And when I got up at state, the other universities were there, and man, they were fancy. There was one, in the first place, we did it inside. They did it outside, out on the grassy field. And, you know, it's a lot different whether or not you can see the light on a sunny day than it is inside a room where it's a little 
little dimmer. One of the guys had a wheel that would count off the distance, and mm -hmm. he was walking out measuring how far he could transmit it. And all these guys, I thought, whoa, they, they're taking this really serious. Mm -hmm. At my university, like I said, no one really knew what was going to happen. And, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know how far mine would transmit, especially not during the day. I thought we would do it indoors like we had. And so lo and behold, I'm looking there, hmm, I don't know what to do. How, where shall I, should I, how far should I go? It would be really embarrassing if I set it all up and it doesn't work. And so I applied a, a principle of science that's going to get back into my experiment here in just a minute when we talk about the brick wall. And here's the principle. I sat there thinking, thinking, watching, watching, and all of these other universities went out and set up their little transmitters. And um, one guy was out farther than anybody else. And he was the guy with the little will that measured how far he could go. And I thought, He's been practicing. It's almost like cheating. He wants to win. Yeah, he was, he was going for the goal. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I thought, well, as organized as he is, I'll bet he knows exactly how far he can go. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to succeed. If I'm going to beat him, I need to go further. Right. I don't know how far I can go. But if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose going for it. So I walked out and went three steps past him and set up mine. <laughs> three steps. Three oh, steps. And so they were all shooting back to the central place where the receivers were. Okay. And we all came back there. They were transmitting, trying to see who could receive the incoming signal. Mm -hmm. And a big cloud came over and blocked the sun, which made it a lot easier. And all of us succeeded. We all received our signals. But mine was three steps farther away. <laughs> Why did it make it easier? Because the sun was so bright, it made it harder to see the light. We were shooting a light beam. It wasn't a laser. It was just oh. a blinking light through a lens. It was easier to see it. Got it. Yeah. But here's the point. Deciding to go for the prize at least giving myself a chance, mm -hmm. turned out to be a really good move. And so here I am trying to jam data, information, through a wire. And I, I want to go fast enough that when I make it work, it will really be worth something. It will change the world. I need gigabit. I need gigabit for all the things I want to do, like a cellist, mm -hmm. like a lot of things, oh, a lot of things. like client-server computing. And so I went for gigabit. Now, I'd like to remind you, uh, as we talked last time, that there's a very interesting thing that happens with a wire. A piece of computer networking wire has four pairs, in other words, eight wires twisted in pairs. And to fit the, the IEEE standard, the cable can be up to 100 meters long. That's just a little bit over the 300 feet or the 100 yards of a football field. And you've got to be able to send data that far because many times the wires are that long. The standard says you can't do it longer than that. So if you can do 100 meters, you're OK. okay. Am I making sense so mm -hmm. far? OK, so <clears throat> when I send signals through the wire, the signals are just putting voltage on the wire, like 
Think of it as hooking up a battery and disconnecting it. And you're sending pulses. It could have been Morse code, but I'm sending pulses that are much, much faster, a billion times a second, to get the data rate I want. And so the computer on the other end has to be able to sense when I'm sending a zero or a one. Now I want to show this uh, video scope or oscilloscope video that we did a couple weeks ago of me and the new Area 51 looking at these different waveforms. So here we are in Area 51 and we're going to find out if we can take 1,000 megabit per second and jam it through this wire and receive it over here on the oscilloscope. Now remember, an oscilloscope is a scope that looks at the voltage on the wire and you can see the voltage is going up and down, up and down. It's almost a volt from, from top to bottom. So as you put, it's like hooking a battery to the wire, it makes the voltage go up and then it goes down. And this meter shows you the change in voltage over time, okay? So we're sending data through right now at one-third of the speed we need to get the thousand megabit through here. And some of the data comes through at that speed. But now what, watch what happens when I speed it up. Can you see all of a sudden the voltage, how tall it is, tells you how high the voltage is. It cut way down. But that's not fast enough to get a thousand megabit through. So let's go one more click. Now you can see it's a little teeny signal. When you have some of the data coming in at this voltage and some of it coming in at that voltage, it's impossible to be able to read the data out. And that is the brick wall. That is why scientists, physicists say it's impossible to get a thousand megabit through that wire because you can't pull the high voltage data out from the low voltage data. Okay, so that's the problem, and we had a real dilemma. So as you put the signal into the wire, it starts out nice and strong, but as it goes through the wire, the signal literally gets lost into space. It becomes radio waves and wants to transmit out. We even had to do something to cancel it out so it wouldn't interfere with other things, and so you lose the signal. And uh, parts of that data, when it got to the other end of the wire, 100 meters away, was only one hundredth of a volt. Yeah. And it was so low that just with the normal noise that you always have, I couldn't tell if it was on or off of those high frequencies. And I want to show you this in detail because we have got to break through this brick wall, don't we? Yes. Okay, so let's look at this first oscilloscope drawing, which shows you what we, we see here. So we're going into the wire, and there are the signals. Some of them are wide, and some of them, some of them are narrow. That's because for the first one there on the left where it says into the wire, mm -hmm. it's high, or it's, it's got voltage for three clocks. Let's keep it on that image, please. If you see for one, two, three uh, intervals, it is high, and then it goes down for, actually it's for four intervals. So you can see it's going up and down, up and down. And then we have some shorter intervals, which are not as wide. It still comes into the wire at the full high one volt. But now look on the bottom where it comes out of the wire. The, the big wide pulse came through almost unscathed, almost the same voltage it went in. 
But the shorter, the narrower one, came out down about a third. And you notice, when I turned up the frequency, it fell down about a third. And the next one down there, the ones that are one clock each, those real narrow pulses, they came out like little teeny guys. Yeah. In other words, they came out like about a hundredth of a volt. Mm -hmm. And you just couldn't read whether it was a one or a zero, so you could, you'd only get garbage through the wire. So what I needed to do is get all of those different frequencies of data through at the same, same voltage, or nearly the same voltage. Now I thought I could put an amplifier on it, and I could amplify the signal and make it bigger, and it would make those real low ones just about right, but it would make the big ones go crazy off scale hmm. and be too high to be able to receive those. So an amplifier wouldn't work. And I, I thought, I need an amplifier that amplifies high frequencies a lot, medium frequencies a little, and high, uh, low frequencies not at all. But who knows how to build something that's, like that? Is that, is that there? You know, that just really doesn't, doesn't exist. So I had to go to my vast storehouse of knowledge. Up here? No, my experience. Oh, your experience? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> One of the experiences that I had enjoyed while a student at the university was building a recording studio. And in the recording studio, we're working with sound. Mm -hmm. And there is a thing called an equalizer that we use in the studio quite a bit. An equalizer is a big name for a fancy version of a tone control. Have you ever seen on a radio or a record player or something where there's a tone control, there's a treble and a bass? Mm -hmm. You can turn up the bass or you can turn up the treble. If you turn up the treble, the real high frequency notes get real hissy. If you turn up the bass, boom, 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 it turns up just the low notes. Well, low notes means low frequency. So that would be the wide pulses. High frequency were the narrow pulses. And we have a, a fancy little box called a graphic equalizer that has 32 sliders. And they each take one frequency. Like one of them is 1,000 hertz. And you can, you can boost the 1,000 hertz or you can lower it. When we're setting up a big room for a concert, mm -hmm. the engineers come in and they tune the room because some sounds have a longer duration in the room than others and it doesn't sound right. So they go through and equalize the room so it sounds just perfect by turning some frequencies up and down. And the interesting thing is you can make a circuit with resistors, capacitors, and inductors, three electronic components that will only pass a certain frequency. And by changing the values, you can tune which frequencies you want. And I thought, well, I can, I can make a tone control for these wires, but what good would that do? And that's when I got the smash the, the brick wall barrier idea. And that is this. I will make a tone control like you do for a, a sound system, like for music, only I'll make it for very high frequencies, 330 megahertz frequencies. And what I'll do with, with my tone control, I couldn't boost just the frequencies that were low, but what I could do is I could bring the low, fre low frequencies that were high voltage, I could bring them down. And so that was my goal, to go ahead 
and make an electrolyzer, excuse me, an equalizer circular, hydrogen on the brain, <laughs> an electrolyzer, <laughs> yeah, an equalizer circuit that would pull those high peaks out. Now I want to show you another oscilloscope drawing so that you can kind of see what this looks like. Here it is. On the top, it's exactly the same. We're putting exactly the same signal into the wire. On the bottom is the output of the wire after it went through my tone control or my equalizer. And can you see all the peaks are the same height? Yes. And I did that by making the low frequencies that went through hardly with any drop, I brought them way down with my tone control. And lo and behold, it gave me a magical result. I want to show you the circuit that I built to do that. I just happen to have one of them here. If we can get the top camera, I'll show you. This is a wideband networking board. And here's three different ones. This is the board that we designed and built. And the plug into a, a motherboard on a computer. There's a place in the back to connect a wire, your networking cable, and the networking signal comes in, and I needed an equalizer, and so if you look right where I'm gonna push this pointer, right there, right there is my equalizer. Can you see it's that little teeny city, those little houses, those are resistors, capacitors, and an inductor. And I actually have a photograph that will show this to you a little better. Can you see it there? Okay, you can see it. it's already up. Uh, that is a blow up of it, and you can see those are little teeny parts. Those are actually so small that they almost can't be seen. Let's go back to the other image for a second with my finger here. You can see my finger compared to the size of that whole city. And now let's go to the image that's enlarged. So there it is. You can see now those little teeny components. They all got to be exactly the right one. And they are going to take the low frequency components of the signal and drop the voltage significantly and make it so that it would all be readable. Now, when I first designed this, I chose the value of the components so that it was tuned for a full 100 meters. Wow. And it worked for 100 meters, which just thrilled me. But then I thought, you know, some people are going to just use a short cable, a little patch cable. So then I tried it out for three feet, and it didn't work because the signal hadn't dropped enough, and so the high-frequency parts were a high voltage. So then I had to get clever and I recalculated the value of the components and tuned it for 70 meters. At 70 meters, it would work at 100 and it would work at one foot. Wow. So lo and behold, we got it done. So these little boards went into production and we started building these in our factory. And I, I'd like to also point out the uh, concentrator the con there it is, and the camera's going to get right on. There it is. I knew you'd bring it over. This is a wideband concentrator. And I want to show you a photograph of the concentrator. I think you can see a little bit better. And now I want to show you the back of it. Here are the ports where you plug in the wires. And this was the part that went in the center of my network. And this network would handle data at a gigabit or a thousand megabit per second. And we 
sold jillions of these. Uh, I want to just did. take a quick peek at the, the factory where these are built and kind of walk through how, how these boards are made. Let's, let's, let's roll that now. So here we are. There's a blank board that we've designed. We put it inside the stencil printer. This is a stencil. This is a piece of metal stainless steel. It has little holes everywhere we need solder paste. That's the solder paste. So we're going to squeegee it on the board like we're printing uh, colors on, but it's, it's solder paste that we're printing on. So here we go. There's the board put up there, and the squeegee goes across and presses the solder paste into the circuit board through those little holes. Once it's all nice and printed, we then run it through an inspection and it checks every single place that we need solder paste to make sure that we didn't miss any places. Now here's a resistor. These are little tiny, tiny components like I use in that little city. And these are rills that have two to 10,000 of them on them. The board goes in, and this is called a pick and place machine. It goes and grabs one of those little pieces from one of these rolls. Can you see those little heads picking them up? Picks up the pieces and then sticks them in their place on the board. And look at them go. So it is building that board lickety split. And you have different size pieces. Right there we're putting the little tiny ones on. Mm -hmm. Then we move over to the next machine where we're going to start putting some bigger pieces on. And some of the components are a little bit larger. So here we go again. You can see we're grabbing the components and popping them down where they go and then it automatically travels over to the next machine. And this is where we put the great big components on. So you see it's taking a picture. It, pick, it picks up the part, turns it over there, and turns it so that it's perfectly aligned and then sticks it exactly in place. It's got to be very precision. Mm -hmm. And this is where we put the rolls of components that are going on the board. And as all of the big components get on, then the board is going to shoot out again, and this time it goes over to <clears throat> the final step where it is inspected. And this machine is really amazing because it looks microscopically at every part on the board. It reads the number to make sure we put the right little part on there. And if anything's wrong, well, they're just stuck on with solder paste. It tells us, and we can go fix it. So those little teeny parts are magnified. When it says every single component is perfect, it's the right component, nothing's upside down, nothing's a little bit off, then we send it into the oven. It's like a pizza oven. <laughs> yeah. I don't let the guys make pizza in there. Though. They've thought so about it, haven't they? They definitely think about it. <laughs> just and here it comes it out. out. So in the oven, all that solder paste is heated up to the temperature where it melts and it literally solders all those components on. Then we have a few little hand jobs that we do and lo and behold, uh, the, a little bit of hand soldering mm -hmm. and this particular concentrator board is ready to put into service. Now, all of the Acellus courses go through that device right there. That is what distributes those out to everybody. Here it is now going into the cabinet. And look at those craftsman hands putting that in. <laughs> yeah. And finally the lid, and this is ready to be shipped. Well, 
Uh, wideband uh, is, a, is an amazing technology and it taught me a lot. Um, but it's interesting that there was a brick wall and almost everywhere that there's something really neat that you can do that doesn't have a brick wall, somebody's already done it. <laughs> so all the good stuff is hiding behind a brick wall. And that's why we have to gain the knowledge and the determination to be able to smash through a wall. Now, I got the idea about using the equalizer uh, because I had had experience recording music. If I didn't love music and if I hadn't been interested in music, I wouldn't have known to do that. Every class you take, everything you learn becomes power that's building up inside your mind to be able to do different kinds of products, projects. And I think it's really wonderful to realize that you're becoming empowered and you're able to do wonderful, wonderful things. And we should do that. Wideband is an enabling technology. Uh, it was the forerunner to gigabit ethernet. In fact, the technology in wideband was used when the IEEE created the Gigabit Ethernet standard, and I know because I was one of the contributors who helped create the standard. The fascinating thing is this little city that I showed you, the, the equalizer that makes the wire be able to handle these high data rates, is on every Gigabit Ethernet adapter, uh, even though that was the technology that came after this. Only they don't do it with, these are passive components. The new equalizers are what engineers call an active equalizer because it uses an active component which can actually tune the length of the cable to whatever length you happen to have. It can determine it and make it perfect. What does passive mean? Passive. Mm -hmm. I know what it means in humans. I'm what, talking what, about what does it mean? Yeah, well, you're passive, passive means that these are components that you put on the board and they, they don't use any power. They, they don't have to be hooked up to the power supply. They're just uh, components that look at the signal coming through and alter it. Whereas an active component actually has got transistors and components that are powered to be able to accomplish the same thing. The active units actually, like I say, they're more effective because they tune it for every length. When I soldered it on here, I was kind of through soldering. By the way, <laughs> just for fun, uh, just for fun, we went ahead <clears throat> and made the, uh, uh, a test board where we changed the tuning on, on the components uh -huh. for 500, <laughs> 500 feet, uh -huh. and we were able to send the signal through almost twice the standard. Wow. Uh, I don't know that we have the, uh, the Wigna, so I'm going to save that for next time. But I'd like to show you uh, a demonstration of a display that we made to take to the computer show. And uh, it, it shocked a lot of people. We call it the Wigna. But I, I'll save that for next time. It's a neat display. It is, a, it is uh -huh. a neat display. A lot of people, when I came out with Wideband, they said, that cannot work, yeah. that cannot be reliable, it's impossible, the physics won't work. And yet, it was the most reliable networking technology I have ever seen. And people used it, and as they used it, they wanted more, 
uh, one of our universities here, uh, one of the state universities, was the first university to have every dorm, every room in the whole campus uh, networked, all using wideband. And it, it was just really terribly reliable. Well, since nobody believed that it could work, it did work, it worked fine, but no one would believe that it could. So we made a wall, it was about that long, and it'd stand up at a display at a trade show and we ran a wire through the wall, and when we got to one sec, oh look, I do have a picture. I wonder who that is. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's, that's can, your favorite can reseller you, can right you there. See, look at that. That is that little page. <laughs> that, can we polished. zoom in on that anyway? That probably would be impossible. When the, oh look, we're zooming in. Look, look at, at this. you. Look amazing. I'm trying to that's see. That's page the student. Yeah. Okay. Can we zoom in a little bit more? Can you see that we ran the wire through this display uh -huh. and then we ran that middle segment over f four strands of barbed wire? Yep. Can you see that? That's barbed wire. That's can't be that and bad. they knew you couldn't run it through a barbed wire. That's what you use for horses and fences. Mm -hmm. And then we went down and ran it over Cat 3. Cat 3 is the old-fashioned wire they use for telephones. You can't run high speed through that. And then, just to make sure we committed every mistake you could, we ran a nail through the networking cable and nailed it in the wall. Because it seems like installers always do that a few they times. <laughs> and we could still play perfect video over it. And when people saw the Wigand, yep, the Wigand. Uh, we called it, they said, wow, this thing really works. And, uh, and there's the page to prove it. That's the Peugeot contact reseller right there. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that when she graduated, she didn't want to help if she left. Oh, come on. Okay. <laughs> that is yeah, the we, one. We could go into that story we if did, you'd like we to. Did. We already mm -hmm. did. <laughs> yeah, but she came back. I so if it isn't difficult, then maybe it's not even hardly worth doing. Yeah. Because the real prizes are all hiding behind brick walls that have to either be smashed through or climbed over. And if you're going to do something that's going to make a real difference, you have to be so determined in your outcome that you're willing to get over that wall or through that wall or under that wall. Okay. And you'll notice that in this project, like many of the projects that have really been beneficial, I started out by figuring out what I needed. It wasn't good enough to get 100 megabit, and 100 megabit came, but boy, when it came, it was already outdated by my 1,000 megabit. I got the speed that is really right, and now 1,000 megabit, or gigabit, is the main wiring speed of everything that's being made. And it's just really fascinating that uh, it's there. Now, if you go to 10 megabit, or I mean, 10 gigabit or 100 gig, you can send those over fiber, you can send over copper very short distances, but gigabit is the real popular data rate and it allows you to do many, many things. So uh, I want to end today by one more time telling Jacob and David and 
all of the people that worked hard, Matthew and the teams that have, have put together this Acellus Gold Launch, thank you. Really appreciate it. There are a lot of pieces that are still coming out. It's, it's a work in process. And there are a lot of ideas that are just starting to get done. But it's been built in such a way where it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And it has been built with parents in mind, and we're going to provide more and more support for parents. So it is a little bit to get used to, but if you'll just give it a try, you'll figure it out. And you'll find that the things we changed were things we figured out how to do better. And I, we're not, we don't have it perfect yet. We'll keep refining it. Uh, and we're still fixing a lot of little tweaks, but it's really working. And now we have all the students on it. So if you're in a Cellus Academy, you should be on gold. And um, I'm going to do a formal sigh. <sighs> and the servers keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> That's a because good Because we really pushed yeah. uh, the technology. There's so many new things. The uh, programming technique we used is a, a brand new invention. We call it secure programming. It's a, a type of programming I've never seen done anywhere else. And it is faster on a computer, on a server, and more secure than anything that I'm aware of. And I'm really grateful that we were able to have John and, and others here bring this to pass. So enjoy it. Yeah. Keep shooting us your ideas, especially right now because we're, we're grabbing these ideas and putting them together. I've had so many ideas come in this week from wonderful parents or wonderful students. And uh, so far, almost every idea I've got, we've been able to figure out how to use. So keep them coming in. Help me make it better. Thank you. We'll see you next time.